0: All right Gabrielle, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, I am so excited to you know, have our, our talk today. So I think uh, probably the best way to start is for context, uh, you know who, who, what's your role and responsibilities? Currently?
1: Yes, yes, thank you for asking. So um, I am a sales development manager. I've been working at a company called Intutor for the past year. Um, I'm actually getting ready to move companies, and so I'll be moving to Gong. October 5th right so if your episode is aired by then I'll be at Gong.
0: Oh well probably will be and congratulations uh super exciting things are happening over there so uh they got a rock star in their midst so congrats on that news. Thank you. Well well on that note um kind of tell us more about your professional journey what's let's get into it because I mean uh big big promotion and new job but Mm -hmm. what's your professional journey?
1: Okay, professional journey, I, I think like my, my journey, professional journey actually started back in 2015. I became an SDR at a company called CloudWords. And so uh, I had mapped out this idea of like, what did I want with my life, right? Or what did I want in my career? And I thought about, all right, I want to be a CEO of a company, whether that's a company I start or it's, you know, like picking up where somebody left off. And I started reviewing and researching where CEOs starting their careers more often than not. And it's in finance and sales. So I'm like, I don't know anything about numbers. I don't want to live in Excel, but I can talk to some people. So I started off as an SDR. Um, I did a brief stint as an account executive at a company called Acton Software. Um, ended up moving to a company called Cloudability, where I started off as a business development rep. Within two months, was promoted to a business development manager. So responsible for building out a team. Um, really the first formal outbound like sales development team. So did that for about a year and a half. And so been at NP tour for the past year. So that's been my professional journey thus far.
0: Wow. Okay. So let's start. Why be like a CEO in mind, like, where, where is this coming from? And like expand more on that. Like, I, I want to hear more.
1: So, uh, I, I grew up, uh, my so how many, start off with this is I I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. My grandfather, he worked at IBM for 20 some years. After that, he went off and did his own thing, creating an IT services company that grew up to like $60 million company in the 1990s, right? So I got to, you know, and and he had started that company in 1992, I was born in 1990. So I really got to see my grandfather scale this business and be the CEO of his company. My mom's oldest brother is a ceo he started his own company as well and so he actually has two companies and then um, uh, by the time i had graduated college my mom had started doing her own venture entrepreneurial journey as well and so she was a ceo of a company now so it's now more of an independent contractor so i just kind of like looked at the people in my family that i admired that i respected and then also like who were able to afford a lifestyle that I wanted to have. And so I'm like, okay, well, that's what I'm going to aspire to. So it very much was influenced by who was in my surrounding, who was in my environment. And then, you know, that happened to be my family. Uh,
0: amazing. And we'll, we'll come back to that. Cause I would only imagine the impact that's had on you and how you view yeah. things. Uh, <laughs> but we're here to talk about, how companies are going into market, and you have a wealth of experience of building SDR teams. Uh, in SDR, we're talking about sales development role. People are prospecting, creating pipeline. Um, so, Gabriel, when when you think about coming in and either um, coming onto a team or building out a team, you know, what, give us that kind of high level overview of what are the things that you're thinking about mm-hmm. when building out a SDR team. Ooh.
1: I'll keep it as simple as possible, or at least I'll try to. Um, I kind of think about things in two different ways. The first way is what I'll call a capability maturity matrix. And so I learned this um, uh, because even before I got into sales, right, I was working at my mom's company uh, as a business analyst. And so she was doing a management consultant, uh, a management consulting project that involved a lot of change management. And so in In our structuring how this deal or how this project was going to be run, we had to understand what we were moving towards, and then what steps needed to happen in order to get there. And so, in a capability maturity uh, matrix, it's starting off with everything. You know, level one is ad hoc, right? Level five, let's say, is completely optimized. And in between there, you're trying to go from ad hoc to repeatable, repeatable to manageable, manageable to predictable, predictable to optimized. And so there's, um, and then across those different, like across those different segments, across those different levels, there are a few factors at play and that is people, process, technology. And so that's really the way that I'm thinking about things when I'm building out a sales development program. So how would I know where we're at in terms of this capability and maturity model? One, do we have things documented? Do we know who our ICP is? do we know which titles to go after, for example? And so if the answer is no, it's like, okay, this means that we don't actually know how we can repeat our success, or probably in an ad hoc state, is all of our success dependent upon the capabilities or the heroic, right, expressions that SDRs are doing or AEs are doing today, like that means that it's ad hoc. And so in order to, for us to be able to move into something that is repeatable, we need to understand where success is generated from. So that is really like my approach to what are we going to build, right? What do we need to build and what are we moving to when it comes to building out a sales development function?
0: A lot of great information in there. So if you were going to say a good place to start and let's dive in a little bit deeper, where mm-hmm. would you start at and how do you help, uh, go up from that one ad hoc mm-hmm. up that ladder to five, a scalable repeatable process?
1: Mm. I guess, look at the data first. That's probably the first place that I would look. Um, Look at the data, see what the performance has been to date. And then from there, assuming that you've been given a quota for the year, for example, um, will you be able to hit your number with the quota that you have, right? But with last year's performance. So if nothing else changes, where are you gonna land? And so let's say for Infutor even at Cloudability where I was at, it's like, okay, we're only gonna hit 33, 50% of our goal. Like <laughs> I might you might as well fire me now if we're not gonna right. if we're not gonna change anything. And so I think the question after that is, okay, well, where were we getting our success to begin with? Right. So, you know, and and does everybody know that? I think that's like that's one place to start. And then it could be everything from okay, well, what needs to happen in order for us to um, to bridge that gap of that next 50% of that quota that we need to hit, right? If we're going to be doubling our goals this year, what does that mean? Well, we can ask people just to do twice as much of what they're already doing. Okay, great if that's the path that we're going to go after. What does that mean in terms of enablement or technology, right? Like if all things stay the same, do they actually have the capacity to be able to do what we are asking them to do, or maybe a sales engagement platform, like an outreach or a sales loft is gonna help get us there, right? In order to bridge that productivity gap. If we start bridging that productivity gap through technology and enable, like through technological enablement, and we're still not hitting our goals, right? Like, let's go back to the data and see, okay, what are our, what are our conversion rates from each, like, from each step to the next? So everything from activities, activities to a conversation, conversations to meetings, books, um or even like accounts work or contacts work to meetings booked, right so like how much effort does it take and if those conversion rates are incredibly low and we're never going to get there what does enablement look like and enablement meaning in my opinion right is how can we upskill right or increase the competencies of each rep to make them measurably more effective at their job Right. So let's say that, um, I'll give an example. One of my reps today, uh, or two months ago, he needed to work 650 accounts in order to generate like one meeting. I'm like, that's "That's not going to (laughs) work. Right. I'm like that. I was like, that's just not going to work. So either, you know, how about we revisit what our ideal customer profile looks like and let's match up the accounts that he's working to this definition. Right, so it's like this. That's one. That's one way of being able to increase the conversion rates. There, so like that to me is really the approach. What, what the, what somebody else is going to do is going to be very much dependent upon what's going on at their organization. So that's why I say like, look at your data specifically. If nothing else changes, will you be able to hit your number? If the answer is no, okay. Well, what is it going to take in order for you to hit your number? And one part of that is going to be like, you know, do the people have the capacity in order to support that effort or are you going to need to make some investments in order to increase their, increase their capabilities?
0: Right. And so this whole time when you're talking about looking at the data, you're talking about conversion ratios in particular.
1: So I'm looking yeah, so conversion ratios is one part of that. I think you can look at almost like the, the overall, just like the raw data, which is like, what was the production by itself, right? You can start off there. Um, I think the more that you can understand how to dig into the data and understand those conversion rates, the more informed you're going to be. And then if you want to take it to another level is, um, there's a technology that I am trying out called Pathlight. And what Pathlight is able to do is visualize the data over time. So I can start seeing trends and dig in deeper into the data. So it's not just a matter of oh, hey, rep one who's hitting 130% of their quota is only working 150 accounts a month, right? And rep two who's hitting 70%, right, is working however many accounts. It's now, all right, hey, like what's actually going on at the most minute detail to the point of what time are they sending out email, right? And maybe that's the difference, truly, between SDR one and SDR two.
0: Oh, so interesting. So, so as you're digging into the data and you've looked at technology stack and you talk about, um, capability, um, let's talk more about like that, like individual, right? Especially in Mm -hmm. today, you know, in the, in the new world that we're living in, everybody, um, at home, working remotely, onboarding remotely, how are you making sure, or how are you helping your reps, uh, making sure their skills are leveling up?
1: Mm -hmm. It's a good question. And I'll be honest, I don't I don't have a perfect answer. (laughs) Like I like, I don't I don't know what this yeah, I don't have a silver.
0: There's no (laughs) I don't think there is a silver ball. I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, however, what's working for you? I mean
1: Yeah. I I think there's um I think the idea of collaboration, right, and really being able to tap into each person's unique like skills and and I guess most prized qualities. Like that becomes a winning methodology, and what I mean by that is, let's say I have a rep who is, you know, has a really great like reply uh, rate for the emails they're sending, or an incredibly high call to connect rate. Um, rather than rather than me telling the next rep up, right? Oh, hey, just go and emulate Matt. Like, hey, Matt, walk me through your process. What's going on here? How do you know to do this? Um, what are you saying, like really just getting very curious about the rep who's doing things very well in this one specific skill, this one specific competency, and then working with that rep to create content that can then be distributed and is accessible to the rest of the team. So it's not just the manager saying, Hey, I think you should do this because Matt's doing it. It's Matt, the peer of everybody saying, Hey, let me break down or essentially operationalize my own success, make it accessible to everyone else and create a framework that other folks can use. And so that to me has been the most effective because of course we can find a bunch of content on LinkedIn, <laughs> like on <laughs> all the different tips and tricks that people can use. Yep. And I can, I can, I can share that all day long in Slack with my team. But what I find to be the most effective delivery of information is when it's coming from one of their peers. So it's really getting curious and interrogating, like what are the, like, what, what is each individual's unique skills or, or strengths? Right? What are they really, really good at, just innately, right? Or something that they might have developed and are proud of? And how can we give them a platform and a stage to share that knowledge, to share that wisdom, right? And then also, it's coming from a peer. So if I'm a rep, right, I might not trust my manager. I'll be real. I might not trust my manager if they're not if they're not in it like every single day. I know. Shocking, shocking. I'm a manager and I'm going to say this. But if a peer, if I see a peer, somebody who's doing the exact same thing as me all day every day. And they can break down what I think is this impossible thing to understand. I'm going to be a lot more receptive to it. So I think as a manager, it really is getting curious about what people are very good at, helping them break it down in an accessible way, sharing that out. And then at that point in time, it's just a matter of coaching, right? And reinforcing from the manager's perspective.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. So in order to do that though, how do you, do you have like a mental framework of skills and competency. I don't know if I'm saying that word correctly, but like, yeah. how, like, how do you know what you're aiming for? Like, how do you know if somebody's mm-hmm. lacking in certain areas or, or, or they're really strong so they can yeah. create that framework for everybody else? Like, how does, what does that look like in your mind?
1: Yeah. So the process that I went through was first off mapping what the, like, yeah, just mapping what the sales development process looked like. So what is each? Act, so I've heard a term called like taking inventory of the activities. So it's everything from okay, this the activities, calls, social, email, video, you name it, to then, okay, well, how are those activities being distributed, accounts and contacts, to then what is actually converting over into meetings, opportunities, and pipeline generated? So I'm just like, so I'm like, all right, let me map this process out. And then I start asking the question of what is needed in order to be very good at this in order to be masterful at this. So it's everything from let's say time management to looking, you know, to having a clear and solid comprehension of the ideal customer profile to prospecting to writing copy. Right. So like, really, you know, if you're taking inventory of those activities and you're matching that to a skill or competency that's going to help enable someone to be measurably better at that specific point in the process like that's, how, that's one way of creating essentially what your competency framework or matrix is gonna look like. And then in terms of measuring where somebody is in that, I think it's gonna be based off of the data itself. So if you're able to assign values or grades um, on that, I think that's one way of measuring. Don't, I don't have it figured out all the way, right? So like sometimes like, how do you know, how do you, how do you grade someone on time management? Specifically, I don't know. Um, I don't know the, the the perfect answer, but one way of that would be, hey, like, how did like, what were your goals for this week? How you know, were you were you blocking off time? And then of the times that you did have blocked off, like, did you actually use those time blocks for the intended purpose that you had blocked them off for, or were you doing something else? Right. So there's a lot of the accountability is going to be on the rep, right? To to keep that discipline. And then on the manager, you know, it's going to require trust with the rep, what they're saying that that's actually happening. Like that's the, that's the approach that I've had thus far for that.
0: That's good. That's good. So you've brought it up trust a couple of times. Um, Mm. so, uh, Uh, (laughs) how do you, how do you build, earn trust? How do you build trust with your, your team?
1: Mm. I, I, you know, I reflect, I, a lot of times I reflect, on what it is that I'm like, what does it take for me to build trust with somebody else? Um, I think sometimes, or this is the observation that I've had, which is, it's almost like we forget that we're people and that the way we connect with our coworkers is much like how we would connect with our family members or significant others or our friends, like these are still relationships. And so like, what does it take to develop that relationship? It takes time. It takes attention, right? We can probably whittle this down into like the five love languages, right? So like, is it, quali- you know, does this person need quality time? Do they need, yeah. you know, an act of service? Do they need words of affirmation? Um, I forget what the other two are, but uh, you know, like it's it's really being able to back out and say, all right, hey, what are the, like basically what are like kind of the the common needs that somebody has to have or receive and, and have satisfied in order to feel seen, heard, and acknowledged, and appreciated, right, and so one part of that is going to be asking people, like, walk me through what it takes for you to feel seen, heard, acknowledged, and, and appreciated, like, who are the people who are doing that in your life already, like, um, what is it that they're doing specifically that makes you feel appreciated most, and I think in that act of getting curious, not just about the person in the seat, and the, the results that they can drive, but really getting interested and curious about what are their other relationships? And like, how do those relationships form? Because then you can start to emulate the best relationships they've had, if not set a whole new example for them as to what a great relationship can actually look like. I think in that process, like, that's truly how trust is cultivated. And then over time, right, there's other pieces, which is, if I'm gonna tell a rep that I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna deliver. I'm gonna lead by example. I'm not gonna ask them to do something that I haven't already done before, right? So um, I I think the trust part, especially when it's coming from a rep with a leader, is I see this person in front of me and they're asking me to do things. And I know that it's for my benefit and it's for my good. And so I also give my reps the option, essentially, of, hey, like, we're going to change the commission structure or we're going to (laughs) reorg the SDR team. And, oh, no, I'm not going to make enough money. Like, you know, like, I'm not going to have as much share. And I go, how about this? In six months, if you're making less money, we'll move back. Right. So it's also, I think giving them, or at at least presenting them with the idea that they have a choice in the matter and that thing, and that they're going to be taken care of and it's not just change for change's sake.
0: Right. There's a purpose behind it or a why. Big
1: time. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So sounds like a lot of great positive things. And I don't know about you, but most of the time we learn things when things don't go so well. So I want you to think about a time, when mm-hmm. managing an SCR team or professionally, where your your plans did not go so well, where you said I thought the day I was going to go this way and it didn't, things crashed and burned. What was that? Mm-hmm. What were the learnings, and how did mm-hmm. you apply it later on professionally?
1: You know, I think the one thing that I saw as like the biggest failure, and and maybe I just haven't like had enough professional experience to have a bigger one, but. I had brought in a technology vendor and I thought that it was going to do amazing things. I was like, no, it's going to be revolutionary. It's going to be great. We have to bring it in. And it was around contact data. So it's very essential to the SDR team to have really great contact data. And so we brought in this technology and it, and, and I just remember one of my reps saying to me, it's like, it seems like the technology that we have is not the technology that we actually purchase." which is what we saw in the demo, what we saw in the selling engagement was one thing. And then we actually started using it. It's like, this is not functioning the way that we ever expected for it to function. Um, And so it wasn't just the fact that I had brought in this technology vendor that didn't provide the value that we were looking for function the way that we expected it to. It was also the process to get that vendor in, which was, um, this is my first time managing, I thought I had something to prove. I thought I had this chip on my shoulder. I could never be wrong. And so I just bulldozed my way into getting this thing implemented. So for me, I just remember like going home, like maybe two, three, four weeks after the solution had been implemented, I'm getting the feedback and I was like, this is such a terrible choice. Like I should have actually taken the time to better vet this out, to not get so wrapped up in, oh wow, like here's, like here's this vision that I have. like." is it actually, can we actually support the vision? Is it operationally sound? And do I have, I guess like that synergy built up and that kind of cross-functional alignment built up with my peers in order to help them support the vision? So I'd say with that one, it wasn't just the fact that it was a technology vendor and bringing something in that didn't work out. It was also, I think on a management perspective, right? Or a managing, managing relationships cross-functionally I came in almost with an individual contributor mindset, which is like I just have to be better than everybody and I have to prove everybody wrong. Versus, hey, like what's the best what's the best solution across the board for all of us? Because that's really what's gonna help us move
0: forward. Great. So that's what you've applied moving forward is thinking holistically.
1: I'm trying. I really am. It's I, I'll be honest. Uh, so I mean, Walter, you and I were in revenue collective together, and one of the yep. things that I've wanted to learn more about is like, just for example, like what is the best way for a sales development leader and let's say demand generation to work together? Like, Again, what is required in order to build that up? And so, um, I'm on a learning journey. <laughs> like I'm seeking, I I'm it. seeking, I'm <laughs> seeking expertise in this.
0: That's great. That's great. Well, uh, hopefully down the road, we can have you back and you can kind of share more about, what, what does that journey look like on how to develop that cross-functional partnerships across the organization?
1: A hundred percent, yeah, give me some time. But yep. yeah, I wanna, I wanna find it out.
0: I, I, I'm sure you will, definitely by the, uh, everything else you've been talking about so far. So so you talked a little bit more about the you know, bringing in technology, evaluating it. Um, I wanna kind of circle back to that because it sounds like you, you, you thought about people, process in, the, in your tech stack so when you're thinking about technology and you're measuring that to get your, to your bigger goals, how do you now think about that? Like how, what's your process of evaluating it, making sure it's operational sound, something you, you brought up. How do you mm. now think about that?
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I think there's like one part for, for sales development, I think the frame of reference that I have is how can we do more in less time? I think that's the biggest thing. And of course there is the justification, which is uh, it's more so like the financial justification. I'll be honest from an SDR manager perspective, like that, that to me is not the most important thing. What I'm thinking about with my team is, all right, we have these goals. They're increasing month over month or year over year. And so we need, I I mostly care about not burning my people out. (laughs) Right. So like, how can we, Ask more, but also enable them to do more in less time or how can we become more precise or how can we mitigate the how do we reduce The wasteful time those time things. So like a time sink is all right. Hey, a lead gets passed over to an SDR and that email is not a valid email. That's that to me is a time sink. So like, is there are there ways to verify that data beforehand. For example, are there ways that we can get like a green symbol and outreach or or Salesforce to know this is not a great email, or even thinking about say LinkedIn. So lead IQ is one of these technology vendors that I've been more interested in because what we're seeing uh, for post-COVID is, it's six times harder to generate an opportunity for sales development reps. Uh, we've increased emails, we've increased uh, phone calls. Um, we're not getting as much engagement there, but on LinkedIn, we are, right? So like, how can we speed, like how can we, allow an SGR to move from what takes them 30 clicks to do something to now two clicks. Because now we're winning back time and they can actually do more but without straining themselves. So for me I'm always thinking about like how can we do more in less time with less clicks and if we can get those productivity or efficiency gains, great. I think the next step after that is uh, thinking of effectiveness. So if efficiency is just doing more then the effectiveness piece is how can we, I'm thinking about just the conversion rate, like how do we get more of what's in stage one into stage two?
0: No, that's good. It's a good way to think about it. So it sounds like you've used a lot of like mental framework to build out what you do and how you go about it. Is that, would, would you agree with that?
1: Um, my brain is just so scattered. I think that I had, I've, I remember doing, a, I remember I had a boss uh, at a past company And I was telling him this idea. And I remember he just looked at me like just his eyes were glazed. And at one point in time, I'm pretty sure he just turned off. Like, I think I broke him
0: and (laughs) and and he's just
1: like, and he's like, I don't like. you're going to have to break this down for me. And I remember him like showing me this Excel spreadsheet of how he broke down his ideas. And so while we like, we did not think alike, but like, I feel like having that experience like brought me more so into the middle. And so I'm like, oh, hey, like actually breaking down my ideas into easy to understand structures is going to help me a lot more in my career. So um, I'm not naturally a structured, <laughs> right? But it's <laughs> the skill of how to develop.
0: Oh, uh, That's great. Okay, so so you developed this skill. How did you develop this skill? And because uh, I mean, you would have fooled me uh, if you would have <laughs> th- 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 shared that story. So how did you develop that skill set? That's, I mean, I think that's, that's really great to hear uh, because myself included, I mean, I'm always wanting to find ways to like make things easier and -hmm. and what's like the mental model that you've been able to kind of create for yourself.
1: You know, I I think one part of it is slowing down to reflect on what's working and what's not. So um, it's not to say that I've, because I say, even when I was an SDR, right before entering into management, I had, I had a structure of how I wanted to have conversations with the prospects that I was speaking to and I was going after. Um, and I remember there were questions, right, that would pop up all the time, or there were certain words that people would use. And when they used these words, it meant one very specific kind of value proposition that one of our product lines could deliver on. So once I started to understand, like, oh wow, there's like some patterns here, and, and that came from stopping, like, like slowing down, reflecting, um, and then essentially like making some theories around. All right, hey, like when someone says this, I think it means this one, and so in my next conversation, if someone brought that up, and so maybe after 30 conversations, I can prove it out. I'm like, okay, great. I now I have a system for having a conversation. I don't have to think about this again. And, and, and even in that, I think the main motivation for becoming more structured was, I don't wanna to have to think about these things as much. I just wanna have a system, I want it to be automatic because if I can get to an automatic state, I can now become more creative. I can actually have more time back to think about things. I don't have to be in, you know, this like kind of turn and burn mentality. So like that's really what was inspired by it in terms of like the the process of developing like that that framework for thinking. Um, again, I think it goes back to all right. If you're having conversations with folks, whether it's with prospects or internally, and you recognize that maybe there's some themes going on in conversation. So you know like for instance, if I'm going to have a conversation with the person who runs marketing operations and automation um okay what are the things that they care about the most they care about slas right they care about operations they care about the data they care about lead dispositions those kind of things so i'm like all right hey like let me create a framework for how to have these conversations let me create reports that they actually want to see that we can use those conversations that we're having and then that's one way right of just improving our engagement versus like every time we show up to a meeting and i'm unprepared
0: right right so to me, it sounds like you're very, you can be very empathetic. You, you can think about what's important to the other person.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <Like> one, <laughs> no, I, 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 so, uh, in my free time, I like, I, am really interested in like tarot cards and Oracle cards and tarot, like all these things. And cool. one of great, it's a, um, in numerology and so I did this numerology reading and this lady's just like, you're an empath. And you need to read about being an empath so that you know how to help yourself. So, like, I think if you're highly empathetic, you also could be. uh, You could also fall susceptible to taking on everybody else's problems and not knowing mm. how to set boundaries for yourself. So sometimes, you're like, oh, you can be very empathetic. I'm like, yes, yeah, sometimes to a flaw.
0: <laughs> yeah, to a flaw. It's like a great yeah. strength or to great... a fault. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like like a lot of those like type of like personality traits. So. So when you're thinking about setting boundaries for yourself because i mean especially now that we're all working from home how do you mm. set boundaries like how do you make sure that you're um keeping things in line for you to be your best but mm. yet performing for your your team and and for for the business
1: um and i think it goes back to like slowing down reflecting and so instead of Asking the question of like, okay, well, what are the themes tr- the I mean, you could ask the themes to the trend still, but it's like, hey, when am I feeling my best? When am I feeling my worst? And like, what is contributing to either or, right? So, for instance, for my end, if I don't turn off, if I don't turn off my computer, if I don't step away from work by like 6 45 p.m., I'm probably not going to sleep that night. So I'm just going to be like two. Like I, I get into a cycle, and I'm like, no. I'm like, if I don't sleep well at night. Then I'm gonna be cranky in the morning and nobody wants to be around cranky gab. So, um, like for me, I said, I think it really starts off with knowing who you are and knowing what you can and cannot handle. And so that takes awareness, like that takes self awareness there. And so there's work that's required to become self aware. Um, and I think, like, once you become that much more self aware and you understand the benefit of, hey, no, I am gonna turn off at the very latest by 6 like, 30 no i am not going to wake up in the morning and the first thing i'm going to do is check my email or my slack or get back to my boss right at whatever at some godforsaken hour i start to realize okay during the day i am actually able to perform a lot better so for me i think i had to learn the hard way of i didn't set boundaries i was that total yes person i ran myself ragged and i burnt out in a glorious flame for me to be like oh wow like this is not sustainable and yes it worked for a year but it's going to take me out of being able to work for a year too so right. like for me i for me it was very much like all right well what do i need and what like what are my deal breakers um and if i'm able to manage and maintain that then like i'll be fine so at the end of the day like that report that your boss asked for at seven o'clock at night can wait it's not urgent
0: right that's what I morning. say. <laughs> that's right. what I say. I'm like, don't do the job, y'all. Please, so no, it was a job.
1: But I, you know, like, I, 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 sometimes I, I think even then, right? Like when you're coming into a company, like setting those expectations, right? Like here, here's, here's what I, here's what I can do. Here's what I cannot do. And if if your manager's not cool with that, then that's good to know.
0: Yeah. No. It's, absolutely. I, I think it goes back to having those conversations, treating people like people um Mm. but also understanding right which is extremely important uh so you earlier you talked a lot about your family about how they i mean it sounds like you had some great mentors in that um yeah what do you think were some of the lessons you learned from your family that Mm. has helped you now professionally
1: Mm. you know i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna focus in on my grandfather specifically um and so one of the things because again i i don't i saw him in his entrepreneurial kind of a glory right um at the kid growing up and so i don't it wasn't until really like recently that i've been able to have an appreciation like i was looking at an article he's featured in chicago tribune from like awesome. 1996 and he's like a 60 million dollar company and i'm like what i'm like that's pretty impressive right yeah so oh, i yeah. was like yeah i was like I was like, that's really impressive. Um,
0: <laughs> You're like, Grandpa, what's going on with this?
1: Like, why did I not know how impressive you were? But it wasn't, but the thing was, <laughs> but I knew he was impressive before that, right? Because, um, I so I would go into so whether I would go into the office right when he still had his company, or even after he had sold off his company, and I'm just like kind of traveling around in Chicago or I'm working in certain places and someone's like, oh, hey, your your last name is Blackwell, and I was like, yeah, like, oh, are you related to Bob Blackwell? Like, yeah, he's my grandfather, and people would tell me stories of how he mentored them, how he invested in them, how he provided advice to them, how he helped them make incredible leaps in their career, so I, I, I I was more so exposed to the impact that my grandfather was able to have in people's lives, and I was like, you know what, like, that's awesome that like, you know, 10 years later, people are still like professing over like how great of a guy Bob Blackwell is. And so, um, and then, so I started asking him more questions around like, okay, well, what is it like? And, and he was a salesperson, right, at, at IBM. So I'm like, what's important about sales? What's important about leadership? What's important about management? Like, what were your lessons learned being an entrepreneur and being on your own, um, those kind of things. So like, for me, what I, I think more than anything else is like, I was exposed to P- basically his customer reviews, <laughs> you know, like his LinkedIn <laughs> recommendations. And I was there like, was, there
0: was a, a Yelp out there, no Yelp yeah, reviews.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I was seeing these live LinkedIn recommendations for my grandfather. And I was like, wow, this man, <laughs> That's cool. Like, not only did he, like, I think, like him being such a good person, him paying it forward to other people and investing in them. I think is really what contributed to him being as successful as he was when he did have a business. So like, for me, I feel like he just set a really good model for me to emulate. And, and, and I think I was just able to make that connection between the way he treated people and then the way that his people were able to produce and knowing that that, that was going to be important.
0: Oh, that's amazing. That's so cool. So when you asked him lessons from a, as the sales from, from, for sales mm-hmm. what were those and also for manager what were those those two things that he said if you could remember
1: yeah I think the two big okay so for sales uh, I think the one the one main lesson that he shared with me was uh, selling is all about getting someone to believe that your idea was their idea <laughs> so like that's that's
0: it. Right? Right. Yeah, it's
1: for, yeah. And so it's, it's very, yeah. It's, it's just all about, uh, he's like basically like, yeah, you could be the smartest person in the room, but nobody wants to be talked to. But, and so I, I think with the way that he approached sales, from what I understand, it's much more of like a counseling or kind of a coaching conversation, which is I'm not training you on a way to think I'm helping you realize that you already think this way anyway. So that was that's a one big key thing that I got from him when it just comes to sales. Um, if there was one other thing, it's like you know, like what's the what's the second best answer to yes? No. Exactly. So he's like, okay, well, like if someone says no, it's still like second best. It's pretty good. So more <laughs> the encouragement piece. Um, and, and then in, in terms of management, in terms of management, I I would say. The, the biggest thing that came for me, there's actually two things, which is one, one piece of advice he shared, which was uh, his career really took off when he recognized as a manager that instead of having two hands, he had 10. He had four people on his team, right? So it's like, hey, it's, in, instead of me just thinking of just myself, I started thinking about the team and what the team could do at that point in time, was like, that's really when my career took off. Um, and the second piece that he had shared with me most recently is, uh, take your people's success personally, right? This is a personal matter for you. It's not a business matter. It's not a cosmic matter. It's not a universal matter. Like none of that. It is a personal matter for you. So if you take that person's success as personally as you take yours, he's like, you will get the most out of them. So those are the, those are Bob's words of wisdom that I'll pass on today.
0: I will gladly accept those wisdoms from Bob. Tell, tell him thank you for, for me because uh, those are some really good ones. So uh, amazing. Those are really great. Um, so talking about mentors, um, other, other mentors or resources that you kind of go to to continue for your own personal development.
1: Ooh, good question. Hmm. I will say the revenue collective community has been great. Um, prior to, prior to joining Revenue Collective, um, again, I, I stopped, I reflected, I thought about what was going to be most important to me and what I was trying to pursue. And I, I realized I'm like, all right, Hey, you know, I would like to expand my community m- more broadly than just the people I work with. Um, I also wanted to be a part of a community where what was important to me, was growth right like that community had that and so i what i find with revenue collective is you have a lot of people who are wanting to grow you know whether that's in their roles or just within their careers um and so i'm like all right that's a value that's important to me and then there's of course the mentorship program and so i mean i do have the like the revenue collective mentor his name is john gilman and he's great (laughs) because he's like hey here are the kinds of things that you need to be thinking of where uh, something as simple as you know, interviewing for a job, and I'm like, hey John, I thought I just had to do my best. You know, like if I do my best in each interview, then shouldn't I get the job? And he's like, people want to understand your unique point of view, and there's some things that you can't cover in the time that you have in the interview. So create content that you can send to people in between engagements, right? So it's very much like, how do you nurture all the different people, and how do you multi-thread the experience when going for a job? And so, you know, I think the insights that he shared with me in that regard, right? Like that's something that helped me land in a dream company was Gong, right? This amazing opportunity. Um, but, you know, the, that's, you know, one very specific form of mentorship that I got through a community that I was already part of. Other mentors, like I'll be, Kevin Dorsey just said he's going to be my mentor. So I'm excited about oh, that. Oh, holler to Kevin. Yeah. So like, and it, and, it came, and it came from something as simple as me asking him. Right. So like I have mentors where I've straight up cold link, like I have sent them a LinkedIn message. <laughs> I was like, i you're at a company that I really want to be at or, or you, you've done something that I really want to do. Um, here's where I'm at today. Here's what I'm getting stuck on like and I'm, I'm looking for some people who can provide some advice, some guidance. Would you be open to talking? So I've gotten, I've gotten a couple of mentors that way as well. But I, I think, you know, if you, if you're open-minded enough to realize you can learn from anybody and everybody, you'll realize it's not just one mentor, but every engagement that you have with another individual is an opportunity to upskill, up level or grow your network.
0: No, it's great. It's a great mindset to have. That's good. That's really good. So you've done a lot, sounds like for yourself professionally, what you've talked personally that you, you, you set limits make sure you get sleep anything else that you do uh, to really help you be the best for yourself
1: oh man there is I think people really need well people you all No, I'm just kidding. what has been really helpful for me has been understanding what the idea of play means as an adult right so like right hey we were in school as kids where we do recess we have all these opportunities to play and it's super fun. Right. And we become adults and it's like, grant, whatever, we're all done. We're just going to like go on diets and do CrossFit and work 60 hours a week and make some money. Um, right. It's like, like, yes, you can have your routines, you can have your regimens and things like that. But also like what are like what opportunities are you creating for yourself to become creative to uh, to experience just like pure bliss, to do something for no other reason than the act of just doing it. Like, what is it that brings you joy? So um, I think there's what, like the Japanese art of tidying up, like <laughs> the way Marie right. Kondo. Yeah. And so like, as you go through this, like it's talking about like removing things that don't bring you joy. So it's, there's a simple exercise of go through your closet, hold hold uh, like whatever article of clothing it is, hold it for two seconds. And if it doesn't bring you joy, throw it out. So I, I, I read that book or that excerpt back in 2015. And so it's something that stayed with me, which is, hey, what are the things that you can touch and grasp or experience that just bring you joy, that fuel you up, that fill your cup, right? It doesn't have to be, and it doesn't have to be like focused solely on work. But um, that to me is like the biggest, biggest opportunity that people have to, like, to be sustained
0: that's uh, good. That's a really good way to think about it too. I'm
1: just a big uh, kid really... at heart. I really am. Like for me, I'm like, I have yeah? my plants. I have my tarot cards. Like I have crystals. I turned into a huge hippie witch. <laughs>
0: <Like my laughs> yeah. <and> <laughs> So are you using your you hippie witch powers to get meetings now? Is that how it works?
1: Yeah, basically, I'm, I'm well, we manifest, right? But like, right. like even, and, and, and so for me, it's like, I have fun with it. I tell people, like, you just laugh. You just cackled right? So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah so like, like, it's a big old hearty laugh. And it's like, hey, these are things that like bring me joy. I just, I just enjoy doing it. And when I'm sharing that with other people, like I see them enjoy that as well. So like, that's just one example. Of uh, being able to say, right, hey, like these are the things that I get to play with. These are the toys that I get to share. Like, come into my sandbox and enjoy with me.
0: It's awesome. Well, uh, maybe sometime we can do a, a tarot card reading. And
1: uh,
0: okay, we we could. Uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be down for that. Uh, I got pretend. you,
1: Walter. <laughs> oh,
0: let's do it. I'm in. All right. Um. So now, kind of shifting it to someone who's just entering the workforce or mm-hmm. switching into it. What mm-hmm. advice? Can you give I think you're gonna give some some really good insights on this. Um, I'm just what what would you say? like, hey, I want to become an SCR at my dream company. How do I get in?
1: Yeah, so I've gotten advice about like what to do, so uh, there's everything from like you know do your best right like just do good work. I will say that give, I-
0: give the old uh, what is it called the old uh, a effort or there's
1: another,
0: yeah, thing there. yeah.
1: anyways, Here, here's what I, here's what I truly think is, um, if there's something you really, really want and desire, like there is absolutely nothing standing in the way of that, except for you and the limitations that you put on yourself. So if you are, if you are, I, I hear this, Oh, Hey, like I haven't had, te- I, ha- I don't have tech experience, or there's somebody, a hiring manager who says, I can't hire someone because they don't have tech experience and therefore they can't get into the SDR world. Well, push back. Help me understand like what does having an experience, like what does having experience in tech represent? Like what are the skills or things that are needed in order order to make you feel comfortable with moving me forward? So I'd say first and foremost, like if you really want something, know that you are going to hit objections, but that's the part about being an SDR. Get curious about that. An objection is a request for further information. So if someone's giving you an objection, help me understand where this is coming from and why that's important, because if you're able to demonstrate those skills, the person will start to envision you in the role because you are already demonstrating the skills that are needed to be a successful SDR, which is you know either one preventing or overcoming objections right um two understanding like what's going on with them specifically and then being able to better tailor your response to what is going to be most important and what's going to resonate with them most so what that actually looks like like that might be emailing different folks at the organization that you want to go into and asking them about their experience asking them about how they got into the job right like essentially like target that account prospect into it to, you know, generate insights and intelligence about that and then from there create a unique point of view as to why you are the best person for this role and let them know it when I got like having a job at Gong I told I told the CEO of Gong I was like you're not gonna find anyone better than me and I, I'm like, I don't know who else is who you're talking to but here's what I do know is I'm passionate about what y'all are passionate about I'm excited about what y'all are excited about I've already been like doing my research. And so I know deep within my heart that this is, this is a great pairing. Let's do it. So like, I think the next, the last part of that is like embrace your excitement and your passion about what you're trying to do and let people know about it.
0: Love it. That's my I, I wish, That's great advice. That's really good advice. All right. I almost want to end it right there, but I think this is going to be powerful for somebody out there. Uh, last question. Okay. Somebody who's listening to this, someone who's watching this, what do you want a message for them to leave with? Ooh. Uh, oh, that's a hard one,
1: Walter. Cause there's so many things that you could say. I know. Um, you know what? I think, I think in, so honestly, y'all are beautiful. You're doing a great job. Like be easy on yourself. Give yourself a break. If today sucks, drink some wine, go to sleep, wake up in the morning and, and, and see, like, envision yourself being an awesome all-star that you already are. Like, that's all I can ever say to anybody is you've got everything you want and need inside of you. It's just a matter of unveiling it in your external experience. So go on, venture forth.
0: Love it. Gabrielle, thank you. This was a great conversation.
1: All right, cool. I hope you're not saying that jokingly, Walter. Oh, I'm not. (laughs) Thank you. No problem.